0: I'm Joseph, and I'm Nick, and this is Fish Jelly. Uh, May we? Oui? How are you? Uh, good. How are you? Okay. You went out last night. I did. I did. As is the usual
1: protocol. Okay. Where did you go? Let's not shade me. Uh, it's uh, I went to Precinct, downtown LA. How was that? It's fine. It was uh, I guess a free Britney night. Oh. Um which it was you know I think the DJ, the DJ did a good job of giving us more than just Britney cuz it was a lot of Britney for me. <laughs> uh, but it was also Gigi Good's birthday. Gigi was, Good who was in who's there. Oh, it uh serving a look? Yeah, she looked good. Did she perform? Uh she did but I didn't see that.
0: Oh. All right. Uh well this week was a little less busy. Yes. Because we sold our house and we found a house, mm-hmm. so we don't need to continue looking. So, fingers crossed, everything goes as planned. Yeah. But moving on, uh, Lady Gaga won an award for House of Gucci. House of Gucci. We have to save the House of Gucci. Which is in, well, I don't even know. I don't think her performance was terrible. Like I think her acting was fine enough. It just, I don't think, I don't think that movie worked on any level. So, she
1: wasn't the worst part of the movie. No, but it, I, the New York, the, it was the New York Films Critics Association that uh, hopefully LA will not follow suit. Yeah, interesting. But I guess you know, whatever.
0: Congratulations, girl. <laughs> Um, I was reading, you know, Alec Baldwin did another interview, a television interview, about the shooting on the set of that film Rust. and He needs to stop. The district attorney for whatever county in New Mexico uh, is handling this said that, like, basically he needs to shut up. And based on the comments, he said that she's going to use, like, everything she can to the full extent, fullest extent of the law to make sure like, everyone involved is in trouble. And she em- emphasized that because I guess in the interview, which I did read, but now I can't remember all the details, he, the The language he uses kind of, like, makes it seem like he's not responsible. Yes. But they're saying, the district attorney's office is like, anyone on that set who handled that gun, including the person who, like, was holding it and shot it, is culpable for what happened. So it's just such a, like, whoever, whomever advised him to do this interview, I think
1: that was poor advice. Like, (laughs) I think he just needs to be quiet about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just let this shit. I don't understand why when things like this happen, certain scenarios, I can see why notable people, you know, the PR machine gets to work. But in this instance, it's just like, yeah, I would just (laughs) lay low, get some rest, drink some milk. I don't know, but (laughs) poor Alec Baldwin. Uh, and then, did you see Chris Cuomo
1: was fired from CNN? I did see that. That's been uh, kind of ha- it, it, uh, the. It's been the, bubbling. Yes, it's been bubbling. Yeah.
0: So they finally, after an investigation, which I was uh, reading the details of, are kind of vague, but basically saying that he, at minimum, like abused his influence and resources to sort of assist or aid his brother, the ex governor of New York, with his. Uh, sexual misconduct uh, charges like I guess like feeding him information on how things are going to play out it doesn't really make sense to me 100% except that like not in the sense like I don't I can see why CNN thinks that it's not a good look and he may have violated like company policy by doing that so in that regard yes he should be fired if he broke company policy but anyway did you also see uh, Madonna's mad at 50 cent Uh, over what You know, like, last week she posted those pictures. Did you see them? Where her, like... So, she had posted some pictures of herself with her nipple out. Oh, God. Okay. Which is kind of stupid because I saw those pictures before they got taken down. They got taken down pretty quickly. But I follow her on Instagram, so I saw them. And there were, like, seven, six or seven pictures. And, like, four of them showed her nipple. But one of them, she puts a star over her nipple, like, to censor it. Meaning that... She knew that she shouldn't show her nipple, okay? So Instagram takes it down. Then she reposts all the pictures with her nipple covered and then some message about censorship. Uh Which to me is bullshit because you know the rules. And yes, I think it's ridiculous that a man can be topless, but a woman can't. Because really it's just like, you know, regardless of gender, like we all have titty meat, and areolas. Mm-hmm. So yeah. why is it that some people can show? I mean, I have larger breasts than some women. You know what I mean? And some, But, but you know what I mean? Some yes. men have bigger, more titty meat than people who identify as women. So it's just so stupid. So I understand that part. But also, when you enroll on a platform like Instagram, you accept the terms of use. And it says you can't, if you're present as female, cannot show certain things. Right. So whatever, that's stupid. But then 50 Cent posted something about like, he reposted the picture of her where her butt is sticking out from under the bed, saying something like, basically she needs to get her old ass up, but who's going to help her get up? And so then Madonna posted something, like a picture of them from 2003 saying, I thought you were my friend and blah, blah, blah. And I guess this is how you get attention nowadays. It's just being like an internet bully. Which he is. And then he responded saying like, you know, sorry this upset you so much that you had to dig up a picture from 2003. (laughs) Like, bitch, we ain't friends. So, it's just, 50 Cent annoys me because he is a bully. And then it's like, Madonna, first of all, why are you posting pictures like this? But you do whatever you want to do. And also, you're Madonna. You don't need to respond to
1: anyone. Well, who cares what he thinks? Yeah,
0: like, you don't need to respond to anyone. So, I just thought that was wild. Okay, moving on. Um, For whomever watches like the versus battles, I really enjoy them. And the most, not the most recent one. The most recent one was uh, three six mafia and uh, bone thugs and harmony. And apparently there was a fight, but I haven't watched it yet. I will. But the one before that was Stephanie Mills with Shaka Khan. Yeah. And you watched some of it with me. Yeah, it's a little. It feels imbalanced off the bat. Okay, so Stephanie Mills... they are similar in age. Stephanie Mills is sixty-four. Shaka Khan is sixty-eight. Um. Shaka Khan is an icon, like, on Mm -hmm. her own as a recording artist and with Rufus. Like, I can name a dozen songs people should know. Stephanie Mills, I'm very familiar with. But I would say she's definitely not at the level of Shaka Khan. So this, to me, seems like one of the most imbalanced versus battles to date. But people probably know her best. She won a Grammy for her song, um, Never Knew a Love Like This, Mm -hmm. which I think... Which is, that's a huge song. It's a huge song, and was in... It's in a ton of movies. Yes, and the television show Pose, season two, episode four, which I think is some of the best television ever, um, it ends with um, a character performing to that song. So, great song, but that's probably her biggest, and then she's also known for playing Dorothy on Broadway in The Wiz, like in the 70s. So her rendition of Home is very popular. So I do I know who Stephanie Mills is, but I couldn't believe they pitted those two together. But what was interesting about this versus battle is, first of all, Stephanie's like um, energy level and her uh, sort of clarity <laughs> is leaps and bounds above Shaka Khan. Wow. I'm 100% certain Shaka Khan was inebriated. She seemed fucked up. Oh like, my God. Re- like, it was really awkward because... <clears throat> Stephanie Mills had to help Shaka Khan. Yeah. Like physically and with her music. And, and Shaka was looking at her like and saying, Help me with this song. So I would say Stephanie Mills sang about 50% of Shaka Khan's songs for her. Then somebody had to come change her shoes. And at one point, Shaka looks great. She's wearing these stiletto heels and at one and looked like she was about to tip over. So then someone comes and changes her shoes to like these. Boots. Classy, and she still was boots. like wobbling all over the place. That was really awkward. But throughout the battle, they kept talking about how they're sisters, like you would think these two are so close, mm-hmm. like inseparable. And then at one point, Stephanie Mills um has a child she had later in life, and the child has Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And at one point in the uh, performance, she brings her son out on stage, which was a really sweet moment because he's dancing with her. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if it was because Shaka was drunk, but she was looking at that boy like she just saw like a magical creature. (laughs) And then she says to Shaka like something to the effect of like, like she didn't know her son Mm -hmm. had Down syndrome or that she had a son who had Down syndrome. And then she goes now, oh, now I even love you even more. Yeah, she did. Because she calls him special. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god! First of all, aren't you two sisters? How did you not know this lady has mm-hmm. a special needs child? And then the way she looks at him, like she can't believe that that's
1: her kid, and that she calls him special, and then says, "I love you even more." Yeah, I don't know if she just like is on some medication she's not supposed to be drinking on, and they, they decided to whoop it up before. But that was a
0: train wreck. Um,
1: it was entertaining.
0: Also, it took forever to get the show started because they spent an hour, like, highlighting female DJs. And there were all kinds of technical issues. And I don't know. These versus battles are getting out of control. Because they've evolved from, like, just, like, two artists sort of playing their music to all of a sudden now these artists have to perform a mini concert, like, performing over their tracks, which generally doesn't even sound great. Because, yeah. So it's a weird thing. I enjoy them, but... It's online. Check it out. Okay, Canada's Drag Race season two, episode eight. This one was um, where the top uh, the the five remaining contestants had to take uh, two s two, two s l g b t q i a plus. That's a new acronym that I've that I learned of. The two s in Canada, I guess they represent two spirit people, which
1: is great, but also. Uh, It's a lot Also when did Why We need to go back To umbrella terminology And And acknowledging The intersections Underneath that umbrella Like It's just a lot The acronym's a lot
0: It is a lot I think we could find something You know The homosexuals Could definitely come up With something that's better For brand marketing It's not elegant Well it's also not consistent Depending on who you talk to Right And then for a lot of Non Queer Or trans notable people who talk about these issues. It's always very awkward hearing, you know, someone like Oprah Winfrey Mm -hmm. try to use the acronym. And it's just like, you can tell they're really focusing on saying it correctly. Yes. I think we need something that rolls off the tongue a little bit better. Um, I personally like the term queer, but I know a lot of trans people don't. So yeah, we need to find a a word or even a letter that, (laughs) like, let's just reduce it to a letter. (laughs) But anyway... Uh, the five remaining contestants had 2SLGBTQIA plus teenagers Mm -hmm. come on and they had to like make them over for a prom. And the concept was like, because a lot of queer and trans youth don't get to have a prom because they're often bullied out of it or not allowed to uh, present how they want at the event. Right. So I thought the gesture was lovely. Um, My biggest Critique of these types of makeover challenges on drag race is that the people never how do you say this? I think the people they bring on, like when they make over veterans or family members it's always like there's a
1: couple, there's some that are a better palette to paint on
0: that's there. a very nice way to put it yes, but it's like okay, some of them are like really attractive, mm-hmm. like two of the guys who I think identify as male were very attractive. Mm-hmm. Then you had a woman, two non-binary people who, mm-hmm. not that they're not attractive, but clearly like they don't present in sort of a glamour puss type of way. So they were super awkward. Um, although one of them did end up helping win the the challenge. Mm-hmm. And then there was a black trans woman who does drag.
1: Yeah, that. So she well, was. So so she was perfect. My but my, my critique was that. Oh, so she's gonna knock it out of the park because right. she has got an unfair. And identity. she did. And The she reason did. she
0: didn't win is because her the drag queen who was paired with her, Isis Couture mm-hmm. no, is that her name? Yeah. Isis yeah. She they, the the concept was like mother daughter and they didn't look like their their storyline didn't make <laughs> sense. But I don't like that they do that. Like you can't you can't have people with varying um, skill level or aesthetic appeal like, it's just super unfair. Um, but anyway, I thought that there were a lot of sweet moments with these young people talking about um, their experiences and how much, it, like, the show means to them. Um, in the end, Pythia won, which I thought was yeah um, a good choice. And who was sent home? Uh, Adriana. Oh, Adriana. Who, they keep saying her fashion and everything is so great, and I just don't...
1: Here, here's the thing: When we get to this point in any of these competition shows, they they all start doing that about like, like all of a sudden it's like wait three weeks ago you were uh, in the bottom in the for looking toe up tearing her apart tearing her apart for this and all of a sudden it's like oh she's so multifaceted yeah it's
0: so <laughs> weird it's like like you have to t- be. Yeah, because if you, as a judge or as a production, if you allow someone to get so far, it's like, well, to maintain the integrity of this show, you have to acknowledge this person is talented enough to make it this far. But then when you look back at
1: all the critiques, it's like, well, Jesus, how did she even get this far? It's kind of like the Candy Muse syndrome. It's like, how how did that happen?
0: But anyway, next week we'll have our top four uh, doing some shit okay then there's a new show on paramount plus in the drag race universe called queens of the universe the drag race universe <laughs> well that's what it is right yeah so it's like marvel now yeah. um the, yes they, they it is they now have a singing
1: the never, competition the never ending story
0: <laughs> they have a singing competition for drag queens kind of like um How would you describe it? Well, I mean, it's only... So the first two episodes came out,
1: and it's like American Idol. Or whatever. I don't watch any of those things. Or The Voice.
0: Well, not The No, because The Voice, there are judges who get... You get to be on teams. This is more like American Idol. Okay. Okay. So the show is hosted by Graham Norton, Mm -hmm. and the judges are Michelle Visage... Vanessa Williams, Leona Lewis, and Trixie Mattel. Vanessa L. Williams, please. Well, she only, yeah, she uses that in her acting. I know. So okay. yes, Vanessa L. Williams. <laughs> former Miss America, Grammy Academy Award winning uh,
1: singer. And, uh, and let me, and I don't. Talented like, actor. I I guess. Notable. Notable. Actor. I think the only reason to really stay tuned to this. Okay, well, I, let's
0: talk about the judges. So, of course, Graham Norton, we think, is funny. Yeah, I like And Graham. I think makes a great host or judge. Um, but in this capacity, he's just the host. Michelle Visage obviously is a very
1: qualified drag judge. Yeah, and she gives helpful critiques. She does more than I was expecting yes. to hear from her. Yeah. Well,
0: she is a singer. Although yeah. I've never, I, I, she doesn't really. For someone who always talks about how she sings, we don't ever really hear her singing. I know she's dropped a, like a song or two and been featured on RuPaul tracks, but we never hear her like strong voice. I've seen her perform like in drag shows like Mm -hmm. work the world she'll be a host and she's done like some numbers and she does have a a nice voice but i've never heard her sing sing um obviously leona lewis is um she won x factor i think that's the competition show she won uh and obviously is a very talented singer Sang the avatar song (laughs) that no one remembers yeah, and Bleeding Love's a great song. I yeah. like Collide, but I think her sampling that Avicii Levels track got her in trouble. I think there was a big sort of like legal thing about that, and then she went away for a while, but she's back, she's gorgeous. Yeah, she looks She's going to be like the
1: Paula Abdul, like can't say anything negative. See, I don't know. I th- I almost think Trixie Mattel is more was more Paula Abdul-ish. Well,
0: okay, so Trixie is there because Trixie is, uh, you know, chart-topping, you know, recording artist. uh, Chart being, like, probably the... I think she's, like, folk. Yes. Yeah, like, she's had a number one album in the folk category. But she's really there to critique the drag of these contestants. And I think she did a fine enough job. And then, of course, Vanessa Williams. Vanessa Williams, who will... I'm not standing up for anyone... Um, You know, she went to Syracuse. Yeah, and I believe she has a BFA. Um, she's clearly the most, um, like, n- technically knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Like, so, and she's just—I mean, Vanessa Williams is big time too. Oh me. yeah, like I, she's I agree. a she's big time. So to have her critiquing these people, I think is pretty major. Yes, and probably the most qualified. All right, the first episode they bring out seven contestants, mm-hmm. which seemed kind of small because the prize is $250,000. So the seven contestants come out, they each sing a song. The 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 theme was this is me. So perform something that shows us who you are. Then episode 2 is another seven queens. Um I was impressed by all of them except one. Uh Jujubee. Not there were a couple uh, But Jujubee is If you won. But yeah, Jujubee was So Jujubee has been on like Drag Race season 2. Yes. And then All Stars uh two and then all stars four yeah and we have heard her sing live before and it wasn't great it's okay well her first time was a like a train wreck the second time was okay but we had already heard like 11 queens sing the fucking roof off right and so it's like i don't know why juju will come out here and embarrass herself and she surely did she came out there dressed like (laughs) she was the most plain of all the queens she comes out and sings Ariana Grande's I'm So Into You. And it was so flat. It was very flat. So awkward. Um, so all 14 queens are up there. And the judges say, well, we can only keep eight people. We're getting rid of six. And they get rid of six. I was fine with all six they got rid of except Lavoie. Well. Uh... But then at the very end. We see that, like, after they've sent the six home, we see all the judges going, like, we made a mistake. And then Vanessa Williams is like, well, we need to do something. And then it's, like, so overly produced and fake. We can do whatever we want. We're the judges. But Well,
1: actually, I think the producers might disagree with that. But, um, yes, it's very, very much of shows of that ilk. But I have to
0: say, I was thoroughly impressed by the singing of these queens. Yes. Like, and I will definitely be watching the... And I love how Vanessa would be like, that song's been done to death, but you did a really good job. Or she said, like, someone sang At Last and did an amazing job and Vanessa was giving them high praise and she's like, I hate that song. Yeah. Everyone sings it. No one does it justice, but you actually did. But I feel like Vanessa's going to
1: be a great judge. Or the first the first performer did uh, Amy Winehouse and she's like, oh, you made this sexy. Because Amy couldn't. <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah,
0: I, I think I'll really, really like Vanessa Williams in this show. Um, and again, these queens are so talented so
1: yes and I like that the you know because uh, what, what's the American Idol like all the gay contestants that came through that I I think were always their their queerness was diminished like Clay Aiken obviously and yeah uh, or even or Adore uh,
0: Adore Delon there have been so many queer people on that show Adam Lambert yeah, yeah. so it's nice to see these super talented people that getting don't, to perform
1: in their natural habitat right that don't it's it's not where it's uh, it's it's can it's uh, using the parameters of Middle America, but isn't expressly for them. That being said, I don't know like how many singing drag queens are there. Like, well, see, that's where it's you are gonna get some bitches that are like, I am not a drag queen, but I'm a singer, so I'm gonna do drag. Well, <laughs> because some show. of
0: these queens like because you know. Before each one performed, we would get a little montage of who they are. And some of them, it seemed like, I don't oh, think you have a, a drag career. You're a musical theater I think you're a musical theater, musical, musical theater queen, and you just slept on a wig and some makeup to be on this show. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I don't mind it. I mean, when you think we have shows like The Mass Singer... Like, uh,
1: but like I said, I don't watch any of that, so. No, but
0: this is... And, but I, and I do, so this is far more entertaining for the likes of me. So I would recommend it. It's on Paramount+. Plus. But anyway, we can move on to films release that we you didn't cover. Um, I need to take a bathroom break. Do you want to start with the power yeah. of
1: the dog? No, I'm not going to start with that because I feel like we need to talk about that. But anyway, I'll start with you go. Uh, so flea uh, was a Sundance film that's actually an animated documentary, and I haven't seen it, uh, but it is a about an immigrant from Afghanistan who moves to Denmark as a child, and 20 years later, he's living with his boyfriend, and uh, it's my understanding that some secrets come out that are haunting. Uh, So, I I didn't have time to watch this this week, but I really want to. Uh, And then, of course, there's a new diary of a wimpy kid. Uh, I had no interest in that, even though we had a screener, and I actually don't even know anything about that at all. Uh, And then, Paolo Sorrentino's The Hand of God. Uh, That's premiered on netflix uh, first or premiered streaming uh i covered it out of venice uh, in 2021 and of course it won a prize i'm forgetting which one i didn't really care for it uh i like sorrentino's early work uh probably the great beauty is my favorite of his but it felt very Fellini's uh amarcord and i i liked everybody in it except the main character who's this boring straight white kid uh, and you're actually burning that candle right now. That's part of the swag we got from the Hand of God package.
0: Oh, you know, um, I'm, I'm gonna have to post our PO box soon because I think a gr- so. A great gift for us is um, red wine uh-huh. and candles. Yeah, <clears throat> but no cheap shit. And I don't want my house smelling like well, I don't know, I, apple I, pie or um... <laughs> I do like black box wine. You like black box um, Pinot Noir, and you also like uh, Coppola Claret.
1: Coppola Claret. That's the
0: one that has the gold netting around it. That's not why I like it. It has a nice, robust No, for people, like, when they go get it, they'll know it's that one. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, oh. Um, But yes, candles. Something a little more elegant. I like musky, spicy things. Some good references from fragrances I like are (laughs) Santal 33 by Le Labo. Um, That's expensive. It is. Uh, I also like Spice Bomb from Victor & Rolf. Mm Mm-hmm uh chanel blue mm-hmm. and then there's a new fragrance by the company to who make bags they have one called um oh my god continuum it's new mm-hmm. that shit smells so good
1: but anyway yes references for when people send us gifts you just rattled all those off and you're uh, wow Wait, what your brain chooses to uh remember scrabble to cling on to uh and
0: okay and then of course oh speaking of that uh the reason i discovered that Tumi fragrance is because i had to go get a bag mm-hmm. because my like the past month or so i have been misplaced like i'm known for misplacing things oh but yes. it's gotten
1: really bad yeah, I'm definitely gonna have like I early onstage uh, or onset Alzheimer's. I had for sure. to uh, do some detective work to find your uh, ID and track down where we went on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, and then like I, I just lose. Yeah, so now the last
0: week or so, I've been uh, carrying around this Toomey bag with my important things in it. And what letters did you have inscribed on that bag? Oh my God! So I got this bag. It's a nice bag. So it it has like room f- to be engraved. It's so the sales clerk at the Toomey store was like oh you can have um your bag engraved what would you like and i believe my uh sales associate was a trans man okay or a very butch lesbian okay but she was definitely queer she was part of the 2s lgbtqia she was she's, she's under the same umbrella ella and so i was like oh can i get something inappropriate <laughs> and she's like sure so i got the letters f a g you
1: got the F-slur. I got the F-slur on this bag. <laughs> you can Send a copy. You can send one to Matt Damon. Yeah.
0: Oh, I should send a picture of it to him.
1: Um, so I, uh,
0: I, like I'm waiting for someone to be outraged over it. Also, uh, since I just came back from the bathroom, I feel like this should be a PSA for um, benign prosthetic hypertrophy, which is an enlarged prostate, which is why I have to use the bathroom all the time.
1: Yeah, road trips to- are
0: very difficult mm. but uh yeah all you men out there uh get your prostate checked it's important yeah um, so uh next on the list is the diary. power of the dog i already talked to all that you talked about diary and wimpy kid Yeah, i know nothing about it oh i was just gonna say that i used to work um as an uh, educational assistant at a middle school yes um, in like the special ed department but i also would do like Remember how I would have to do like after school, Mm -hmm. which the money was really good because if we stayed after our allotted time, because it was like a union job, like the pay was double. So it was really good money to stay after for an hour um, for all these after school programs. And something that I learned working for the school district and for all you people out here worried about the president, you know, the states are allotted money the federal government for education and then the state allocates it to different school districts and then it's your school board that decides where this money goes and a lot of these schools have a ton of money at their disposal that just goes wasted every year Mm -hmm. like if they don't use it it just gets absorbed back into the budget and that determines the budget for the next year right so like the school district i worked in there was so much money available for like after school programs and there was just no one to execute these things so I remember like they were just desperate to have anyone stay so I'm pretty proficient in math and science so I would do these um like workshops after school that no one would attend but the parents would complain like We need somewhere to, basically all these parents want somewhere their kid to be able to stay after school because they don't want them to come home. Yeah, they need babysitters. So all of my like math and science tutoring sessions turned into like study hall, which then morphed into movie time. But then it was really hard to get movies approved because obviously in the area I was in, it was ultra, you know, conservative. And the the only movie that the kids, and these are all middle schoolers, was Diary of a Wimpy Kid. That seemed to be like the most popular. So I watched... I think there were two out at the time. I watched those all the time. Okay, I haven't seen any. And I found them... You know, maybe because I was stuck there. Yeah,
1: you you made the rest of it. Finally, The Power of the Dog. Which I wish we had made time to cover, but we didn't. Did I watch it? No. Oh. It opened last Wednesday on Netflix. Opened. It's streaming on Netflix. But that premiered in competition in Venice. Uh, I, I believe she won Best Director... Uh, What is it about? Jane Campion. It's based on a book. It's uh, kind of a uh, neo-western. It's got some queer elements to it. Uh, It's a tale of two brothers. Okay. And Kirsten Dunstan, her gay kid, (laughs) technically. Uh, It's very well done. I liked it a lot. Uh, It probably will be in my top 20 of the year. I wish you had made time to watch it, but you didn't, Blanche. Well, yeah, it didn't happen. Okay, movies we watched for fun. I didn't
0: watch any of these, so this was movies you watched for fun. Uh, the Big Street.
1: Oh, you watched part of that uh, because that? B- being the Ricardos is coming out this week. Oh,
0: with Lucille Ball
1: and oh, of, was she yes? So one of the, <laughs> I'm I'm very familiar with Lucille Ball's career before Lucy, and she was in a lot of film noirs, uh, and you know was a contract player at RKO, and they they were grooming her to be a star. Uh, so she's in a lot of very interesting film noirs. One that I really like called uh, The Dark Corner, directed by Henry Hathaway, who has directed one of the best uh, film color noirs of all time with uh, Niagara, with Marilyn Monroe, which we we seem to kind of watch that every other year. Uh, That's a good movie. It's really good. Yeah, she looks so good. She's stunning in that. Uh, but anyway, Dark Corner" is good. And then Douglas Sirk, before he became the... Uh, Paramount director of lush melodramas in the 50s, including, you know, Imitation of Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he directed film noirs, uh, one called Lured, Lured, uh, starring Lucille Ball, which I really like. Anyway, but in Being the Ricardos, they they try to uh, bridge a, a, a flashback to a film she starred in called The Big Street, uh, opposite Henry Fonda, and just kind of the difficulty it was for her to get that because she was third choice and basically all the other major players they wanted in it had scheduling problems and they didn't want to lose henry fonda so Lucille ball s- uh, stars opposite henry fonda in an odd movie but it's not i, I don't think it showcases her well she plays this spoiled uh shan- Shantous who <laughs> some some lover backhands her in the club and she becomes crippled by falling down the stairs and then henry fonda is this bellhop or waiter that is in love with her and calls her the highness and basically bends over backwards to give her the life he feels she deserves (laughs) i wish girl (laughs) is that it on the big street sure Sure. yeah it's
0: if you like her it's worth a watch the next
1: is the red and the white oh yeah i was supposed to uh i was supposed to cover this miklos jansko um retrospective that just ended on December 2nd, and I only got through two of the films because we were very busy, But uh, and one of them was technically last week called The Roundup, which I really liked. The Red and the White was a little more uh, a little less interesting, 1967 film uh, about the Russian Civil War and the Red Army. Uh, I think it's based on a novel, I can't remember the author now, but it the restoration was beautiful, it looked great, so I, I still kind of hope to watch the rest of those things in that, because that's one of the most notable Hungarian filmmakers of all time. Uh, but I prefer the roundup. To this next is Emma May. May. So uh, in order to sh- proper... not not mixed martial arts. No, not MMA. Like Emma. No, no. I'm laughing because what did what did you say the other day that I thought like chicken feet or? No, we were watching a, a trailer for the movie we are about to. Sp- the movie we're about to talk about and somebody said that she's the hottest chicken town and it's like chi- chicken Oh, and town. I thought I
0: heard chicken town and it took me a while to understand that it was a chick in town. And then also, you were referencing for the movie Benedetta, the book it's based on is called Immodest, Immodest Acts. Acts*. I-M-M-O-D-E-S-T and then A-C-T-S. Mm-hmm. But I thought you were saying A Modest Axe, Mm -hmm. like (laughs)
1: A-X-E. Like, get me the modest axe, So I was
0: Googling, yeah, exactly. So I was Googling a modest axe. And actually, I think a video of um,
1: uh, Faye Dunaway as Joe Crawford popped up. Modest. She's not modest. Yeah, but anyway. Um, MMA, uh, I'd watched Welcome Home Brother Charles and as an extra feature of Vinegar Syndrome had put out that release, that re-release, Jama Fanaka's film after that, MMA, <laughs> in 1976, which it, you can tell he'd learned a bit uh, about filmmaking in between his first two films. Of course, you know Penitentiary, which uh-huh. in, which there's a trilogy of films called Penitentiary, yeah. and the first two, at least, I think are pretty good. But MMA is about uh, a young girl from Mississippi who goes to visit her auntie in Los Angeles uh, for an extended stay and then falls in love with this pill-popping uh, abuser who lands up in prison and she is you know head over heels in love with him even though he's no good and decides to try to get him out of jail legally by starting a car wash but she's drummed out of business and then she decides to rob a bank and he gets out and he's not thankful to her uh I could have seen this being remade I th- I think I sent you a screenshot of the girl whose hair always looks crazy like they her her name is Jerry Hayes.
0: Oh, the black lady. Yes. Yes, you did. That and was funny. This
1: film was also released under the title Black Sisters Revenge. Oh my god. But it doesn't feel like that. It feels very it, it's a black exploitation black exploitation film of its era. But I could I kept seeing this. Somebody could remake this and I kept picturing um Megan Lee Stallion as the main girl and maybe her auntie is Yolanda Ross. Oh. Uh there are some interesting things about it, but, uh, and she is kind of kick-ass, but it's just, you know. And lastly, The Flock. The Flock. Uh, I was in the mood for a thriller I hadn't seen already. And... <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is not a good movie. It's from 2007. It's with Richard Gere and Claire Danes, although it made me realize I kind of miss seeing Claire Danes. It's terribly written, but it's uh, directed by Andy Lau, who is probably best known for his Infernal Affairs films, which Infernal Affairs was remade as The Departed by Scorsese. Uh, so this is this was kind of probably Andy Lau's bid to do a big Hollywood movie. And it's about uh a cop that's there no, he's that's the thing. He's not even a cop. He's a public he works in the public defender's office. Uh Got it. Now I need to look it up because it makes no sense. They're these characters are written like they're cops on an investigation. They're public they work for the Office of Public Safety. Oh. So it's like they're not social workers. Like parking
0: enforcement? They're, like what are we talking
1: about? <laughs> they're they're out like monitoring uh reports of like women being abused. There's that I would assume you'd be working in conjunction or at the behest of the police. Uh but they're out doing their own thing and Richard Gere is being forced into retirement and he's training his new protege, Claire Danes, but he, secretly he's going out and uh, taking matters into his own hands by like beating these abusers on the street in disguise. Uh, Avril Levine is in it. She has one scene. Oh God. Uh, as, a, as a victim. It's just not good. It's, it's, I hate the look of it, the writing, uh, the, uh, what they do to Claire Danes' character. It's like, they make... Did you not know what job you're... Si- well, it's, it's crazy. It's like, do you not know what job you're signing up for? And also, I don't think this is the job that these people do. Um, but yeah, I, I just... I haven't... Besides Infernal Affairs, the only other Andy Lau movie I've seen is uh, The Revenge of the Green Dragons with Ray Liotta. And I also remember thinking that wasn't good as well. And I think maybe language barrier issues.
0: Mm, moving on. So you don't have any projects of interest. I do True to the Game 3... Is in theaters, and I am interested in watching that because I did enjoy True to the
1: Game too. But we haven't seen True to the Game, but that's okay, <laughs> that's okay. Um, I remember the review we did of that, I didn't it didn't register to me why they have a, a I've only ever been to one funeral in my life, so it didn't make sense to me. Well, they have a what's it called awake, no, like a year later a remembrance oh a remembrance there's a different name for that I don't know a repass is that what it's called I don't don't know know. but I remember being so perplexed like why are these people doing this right now Uh. but I did find it entertaining so um, you know maybe I'll watch that and Tamar is she in the new one you
0: know what I don't even know who is in it I'm assuming I mean I know Quadir is in it um, but yeah I don't even know who's in it I should look it up but moving on, the uh, the obituary section, there's no one in it. So I guess that's good.
1: Um, oh, I feel like somebody died. I'm forgetting. But wow. anyway.
0: All right. So the movie for this week is a movie called Sugar Hill, a 1974 movie, not to be confused with the 1993 film Sugar Hill
1: starring Willie Snips. Which I've seen that uh, we had a... Uh, yeah, I watched that, I think, over the pandemic. And I, I, I think I watched... We're still it, in the pandemic. Well, during quarantine. Okay. When we were stuck at home. Uh, and I remember thinking it's a little dull, and I was hoping it would... I would be kind of like New Jack City, but it's not. And, yeah. and I also had <laughs> hoped it was a remake of this film, which I have been aware of and never seen, and it is not. Okay, so this film, Sugar Hill, 1974, directed by... Paul Maslansky, who's better known as a producer of the Police Academy films, is the only film he directed. All right. The basic story is... But also, why did you pick this film? This was your selection. Well, we watched the trailer. Yeah, I showed you
0: the trailer. And it looked fun. Yes. Uh, The trailer is more fun than the movie is. I really... I was really into this. I mean, it was amusing. And we could talk about it. We have like 15 minutes, but... um, the basic story is Sugar Hill uh, is about a woman named Sugar mm-hmm. who, a, a beautiful woman played by Marky
1: Bay. Marky Bay, who you know, because I posted a clip years ago. Of, oh, about something about a black bitch. And she's it. like, you she, she, it's the. Oh, you gotta
0: be. You some, gotta be a
1: lot badder and blacker to be able to come up here and call me a black bitch you yellow heifer or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, that is, th- that's Marky Bay taking the brunt of that woman's uh, ire. And that was 1970s The Landlord, directed by Hal Ashby. But she uh, retired. Sugar- well, let me tell the basic okay.
0: story. The basic story is Marky Bay plays a character named Sugar, and she's this beautiful woman who's dating this man who owns like a nightclub. Mm-hmm. But, but then there's this white, like, businessman, criminal, enterprise person who kills her man because he wants his club. So she wants to exact revenge on this man and everyone involved in the death of her loved one. Mm-hmm. So she, her mom, Mama Matris, is like a voodoo... A voodoo queen. A voodoo queen. And she's estranged from her mom because she doesn't believe in voodoo. But she's so upset about the death of her man, she goes to her mom and says, I, I need to do something. And her mom says, okay. So they climb up into the woods and summon... Baron Somdi, who's, like, this evil spirit man.
1: Think Papa Legba from American
0: Horror Story. I thought he looked like if you mix, like, a circus ringleader with a pimp. <laughs> yes. Uh, like, yeah. But anyway, um, she trades in her soul, which he says, I don't want your soul. I want something else, which looks like he wants, like, some vagina, maybe. Because he has a harem of hoes. I don't know. Of undead, zombie hoes. Of undead hoes. But anyway... She uh, uses this evil spirit to basically one by one kill everyone involved in her man's death up to the main guy whose name is Morgan. And it's very predictable. She kills him the end. Yeah, it's very Bride War Black. Yeah. Okay. So, just going through my notes, um, my first thought was the lighting in this movie. First of all, the production... So, it is a black exploitation film. But For I sure. thought the production quality of it is definitely a notch above your average black exploitation. I
1: film. think, yeah, on every front. On every Including the writing and acting. And then
0: the lighting is very soft. <laughs> it is. Which I found amusing. Um,
1: and there's some really
0: cool people in it. So, um, I was reading Marky Bay. She... Did a few films, and then she was featured... So she's stunning. Yeah. And when I first saw her, I'm like, she would have made a perfect Charlie's Angel. Yeah. And then I was reading that she was in some episodes of Charlie's Angels. Um. But of course, they never would have had a black angel. But she uh, she very much has that look. Yeah. Just gorgeous. That,
1: that hair, the face.
0: But I was reading that she stopped acting, Um. you know... 1974 at, was her last film, and then she did TV. Then she did it. TV. But... Her and her husband, they spent the end of their life, they started a business in L.A. called, like, they started a murder mystery cruise business. Okay. Where they would host, like, you know, dinner, murder mystery dinner shows. Murdery. Murdery mystery dinnery shows on a cruise line. So, what an interesting thing. She's still alive. Oh, she's not dead? No, not according to IMDb. Oh, I guess their business is closed. Oh. So maybe we could just... Go, how old is she? Do we know? Um, um, but other interesting people in this she's are... She's born in 47. Uh, so there's a, a detective. Valentine. Detective Valentine, who's kind of working the case because all these like people are coming up dead. And then there's rumors of like voodoo being involved. But that detective was played by Richard Lawson, who we know as Beyonce's stepdaddy. Yes, because he married Tina Knowles, and he's also in the movie for Colored Girls. He is—he's a, a notable actor. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, Mama Matrice, uh Sugar's mom, the Voodoo Queen, is played by Zara Cully, who I recognized as Weezy's mom on the Jeffersons. So that was really cool. And then, so the 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 main bad guy, Morgan, mm-hmm. his right hand man, uh, whose name—fabulous, fabulous. fabulous that was played by Charlie Robinson, who we know from Night Court. Yeah, who so, just who
1: died? Yeah. recently. Yeah, but um, yeah, there's some really cool people in this. Uh, yeah, and it's got a vibe. If you like weird black exploitation films, like J.D.'s Revenge, which is a favorite with Glenn Turman, uh, who's possessed by the spirit of a gangster from the '30s. So yeah, there yeah
0: it, there it it's a vibe and it has moments like when, <laughs> when. Because, you know, when mm, Sugar goes to see her mom, her mom's like, Bitch, you you didn't believe in voodoo before. What made you... And she's like, Because I'm so mad. <laughs> like, I need <laughs> revenge. So, she... Uh, when they go trek up these hills, you know, of course, Sugar's dressed all fabulous with her hair all done, climbing up these woods, which just looks like they were, like, in, uh... Like, Griffith Park somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but when they get to, like, the point, they... Say, um, they her mom summons Baron sandi and then she tells her he's a greedy
1: god, give him something, anything. Yeah, so (laughs) so he's a greedy god and a hustler. um Matrix means mistress, so her name is Mama Mistress. (laughs) Yeah, um, then when we find so then, uh,
0: Baron, so I think this movie needs to be remade because I think the basic story is really interesting. Kind of like it could be like, um, like Candyman or that movie Bad Hair. Or The Craft. Or know. The Craft, because this evil entity who helps her, he does it by summoning these zombies, which I really liked. I thought the zombies looked really cool. Their eyes look like someone took like the back of a spoon mm-hmm. and like just cut off the spoon part and put it over their eyes. But I thought the zombies looked cool. I thought the idea of this like evil spirit, he sort of follows Sugar around. Mm-hmm. So he's always kind of present and everyone can see him, but he he just presents like he's someone who works for her in different capacities. I thought that was really interesting. I did like
1: how the zombies look. I like her wardrobe. She looked fantastic. Her hair and her hair in her her wardrobe in every scene was like. Yeah, on her point. hair looks great for
0: uh the, the era. Because we see her like in an afro puff, which looks really cute. Mm-hmm. She's snatched her little outfits are really cute, and then she has like a it looks like a pressing curl. Some moments it looks like it is actually her hair or some of it left out and then sometimes it looks like a
1: wig. But even then it looks really nice. She had a way of speaking... Uh, in this role. Oh, yes. That was reminding me of either Liz Taylor or even Anne-Margaret.
0: Yes, her manner of speech was very interesting and also the characterization because she's kind of like very bubbly and polite (laughs) while she's out here killing
1: fools with zombies. (laughs) She even, well, she had, before she was with her current man that died, she had a dalliance with Detective Valentine, as they keep referring to. And she has to get, he's getting too hot on, on her trail. trail. So she has to. Him she does some voodoo on him <laughs> to break his leg. And then she goes and visits him at the hospital. She's all bubbly.
0: She's all bubbly. And then when she leaves, she's like blowing He's, him kisses he, like, ta-ta. He, he goes, I know what's happening. She's like, okay, bye. Toodaloo, <laughs> bye. She is uh, She's definitely the highlight of this uh, movie. Um, there's a scene. So Morgan, the main bad guy, he has his like uh, bottom bitch, this white lady. And... She's very racist, the white lady. Because oh. Morgan likes Sugar. Because yeah. what straight man wouldn't like Sugar? But uh, the, his little white girlfriend doesn't like Sugar and keeps calling her the N-word. And is very resentful. Because obviously Sugar's a better bitch than she is. But mm-hmm. there's a scene where this woman's name is Celeste goes to visit Sugar at the bar she owns. Because mm-hmm. her man left the bar to her. And the whole plot is that Morgan, in in addition to... Sugar trying to kill all the people involved in her man's death. It's also Morgan trying to buy the bar from Sugar. And, like, kind of, like, intimidating her. But Celeste goes to visit Sugar at the bar, and they get into a fight. (laughs) And then the bartender of this bar Sugar owns is just standing
1: there watching. Yeah.
0: He does nothing. He
1: gets her bucket of ice.
0: At the very end, when she... When Sugar knocks Celeste out, the bartender gives her a big bucket of ice to throw on her. (laughs)
1: Like...
0: I thought that was funny. Also, Sugar works as a photographer.
1: Yeah, like, randomly. A, a like lot rent. of A lot of women roles then, like Stepford Wives. Well, what's the one where Earth the Kid is like...
0: <gasps> Friday Foster. And she's she's like the... The, the three seasons of S-E-X. S-E-X. <laughs> it's kind of like that. But the first time we see Sugar said, shooting the models... <laughs> where she's like, I said,
1: Kalahari sunrise.
0: That's from that <laughs> Earth the Kid movie. No, in this movie, the first time we see Sugar shooting the models... First of all, these models look raggedy and they won't stop moving. They, they, they look yeah, what like she, jumping beans. What she
1: t- they're like throwing a beach ball on a lawn.
0: No, that's the second oh, scene. Okay. The first scene is just these three models looking so random. They're all wearing different kinds of outfits and they they don't look like they belong in a photo together and they won't stop moving. Or it's like, yeah, like, um... like... Like they won't stop moving so it's like, how is she taking photos? And then we see Sugar taking the photos and she's like maniacally snapping this <laughs> camera that looks like, she's not even looking through the lens. And the camera's all over the place. It's like
1: Faye Dunaway in the eyes of Laura Mars. It's not even that focused. Um,
0: okay, then Detective Valentine is doing his research. And he believes in voodoo. And at one point he goes to the voodoo museum and research library. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's a big sign. <laughs> it's like a... <laughs> like, God, this is really a problem here. It's like the
0: Smithsonian. <laughs> um, there's a scene where one of, the bad, one of the bad guys who's about to get killed visits sugar spot and we see a killer chicken foot like there is a chicken's foot with like some kind of ornamentation on the top of it that is like animated to like kill this man. Yes. It, I that, thought that was really funny. I thought that looked really good. That also reminded me
1: of a scene from the, the Deep which is by the author of Jaws and was adapted by Peter Yates and there's a there's a really interesting voodoo scene in that with chickens. There's another scene where um,
0: Fabulous uh, Charles, Charlie Robinson's character um, the scene where he gets killed he goes to like a massage parlor. Yeah. Every Thursday he goes. Every Thursday he goes and Sugar like pays off the owner to like she wants to play a practical joke, she says. And really, it's just the zombies, like, massaging him. But then he's like, ooh, your hands are cold. Oh, your nails are rough. I don't like that. I go don't easy, like that. Go, go easy on, easy on, on me. me. Stop that. And then they kill him. I thought that was a fun scene. <laughs> that was pretty good. Then you kept commenting, Morgan, the main bad white guy, we're, we're, like, in his lair or whatever. And he has, we always see him sitting, like, in front of a bar. Yeah. And I I was laughing because, and you kept commenting, because it looks like when you go to, like, Home Goods and you can buy, like, your initials, (laughs) and then people just put them randomly on a bookshelf. He had, like, two big M's.
1: Yeah, on each corner of his bookshelf.
0: That looks so stupid. Well, what's his last name, then? (laughs) Lastly, my last note is, um, the end, or the, like, the theme song for this movie is called Supernatural Voodoo Woman Mm -hmm. by the originals.
1: And I thought that song was really catchy. It is catchy. And <laughs> you were laughing when I showed you the preview because it says it's an American international production. <laughs> and then we were like, oh, it's a domestic... Um, it's a domestic worldview a do- Yeah,
0: a domestic worldview. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I also want to shout out, I really liked uh, Don Pedro Colley, who played Baron Samdi.
0: Oh, yes. Baron Samdi uh, was very... that. Cha- yeah, I really liked that character.
1: Yeah, it was really, he was really effective. And uh, I... I, I he died in 2017, but he uh, had a recurring role on the Dukes of Hazard. So did uh, Marky
0: Bay. No, she had recurring roles on Starsky and Hutch, not Dukes of Hazzard. Okay. But anyway, um, yeah, I think that character, like, if this were to be remade, I really like the idea of, like, this Baron Somdi character. What I envision the remake to be like is modern time. And maybe we find this black woman who's, like, experiencing, like, systemic racism in modern time. And then she summons this god. So it would have to be like a dark comedy for people to tolerate it, I think. But like she uses this evil spirit to sort of like exact revenge on all of these white, you know, characters who are, you know, oppressing her in some way. But then it would probably have to be like the power goes too far and she's using it on everybody. Something we would have to be balanced for audiences to not complain that it's another woke horror film. I don't
1: think there's anything wrong with that though. No,
0: I think, like, I think it could actually be a pretty nice satire. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, I really like this idea of this Baron Somdi guy.
1: Well, and then how she pays him with
0: giving him Celeste. Oh, yes, and then the final gag is because when when she first summons his uh, services. He, it makes, he makes it sound like he wants her sexually yeah. in return like for an eternity because she
1: says I'll give you my soul he's like I don't want your
0: soul I don't want your soul but then at the end that racist ass Celeste he's like they uh, Baron Somdi and Sugar kind of like high five like great job we did it and then she gives him Celeste instead so I actually really like that ending
1: um, I did too but yeah
0: what would you give this movie
1: um I was highly entertained. I think there is a lot of pretty uh, decent writing, especially considering it's a black exploitation film. I give it probably three. Uh,
0: for what it is, I think it's well done. Yeah. you know, there are moments where I thought this is silly, and the you know the 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 formula of the film of just like killing one by one yes. until we get to the end it gets tiresome. But I would give it three out of five. It's on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. so I would recommend it. Uh, we need to end. How would you like to...
1: Oh, um, we saw Nightmare Alley, the remake by Guillermo del Toro this week, which we reviewed on the channel, uh, which I absolutely loved. But just in time for it, I started reading Geek Love by Catherine Dunn, which is kind of a cult novel. Um, And I was was reading it, and it is very fascinating and entertaining. I was like, why isn't this a film? And I looked up Warner Brothers bought the rights to this indefinitely back in 2004 or something as property for the Wachowskis to direct. Okay. So I don't know. I, I don't know. But anyway, I had a quote from that novel, um, which is about a, a husband and wife circus performer who experiment on themselves to basically breed their own freaks. Oh. <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, there are those whose own vulgar normality is so apparent and stultifying that they strive to escape it. They affect flamboyant behavior and claim originality according to the fashionable eccentricities of their time. They claim brains or talent or indifference to mores and desperate attempts to deny their own mediocrity. Uh, That doesn't really... uh... Well, there's often... Well, okay. It's very well... There's so many...
0: I'm sure it's a good read, but that wasn't sort of the quote you leave people with because it's not... Okay. You can't
1: really remember
0: it. A true freak cannot be made. A true freak must be born that's a good one but right.
1: it's so well written like no no be... I
0: agree it's well written I'm just saying like you know you don't sign off with like a fucking oh, 100 oh, word okay. <laughs> anything else god you're... no I'm um, so what nothing don't well, speak your mind no
1: go ahead we we will, we will discuss this let's after... have it on
0: record so when at, at, at our inevitable trial of your murder <laughs> oh, or mine god. I can <laughs> uh, No, at you're... the inevitable murder trial of one of us uh, we'll have more evidence. Okay, Todd, uh, <laughs> Bye.
1: Bye.